did 10 grand in 15 minutes. Me and Al were like, we're on something here, this is big, this could be really big. 2023 plan is to, how do we scale that to say 50 million? What's our next step to do 50 million profitably again? Brand Builder is a holding company that holds all of your e-commerce brands, brands like Crafted and other things that you've built. One of the reasons I did want to leave the agency world anyway was because a lot of our clients were e-commerce brands and they'd have say 20 people doing 25 million, something like that. I just wrote back and saying, that's it, I'm not coming back into this office again. I'm done, that's me finishing. You said it left you in a massive hole at the point when you'd lost that 480 grand. Yeah, I've got no time pressure at all. It's like, these three things need to be done by the end of the day, that's it. And I could do them in two hours. And all of a sudden, it's just, I'm there for the team, I'm there for questioning answers. So you put half a million pound into wine this year. Wine outperformed. Watches, crypto, any stock investments I've got, it outperformed them all. I'd rather have a business doing 5 million unprofitable than 20 million unprofitable because of the stress that goes along the way. First things first, guys, before we get started with this podcast, do me a solid favour and subscribe to this on whatever platform you're listening to it right now. Whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I'd appreciate if you just hit that subscribe button and it lets me know that the content that I'm putting out for you guys is hitting your ears at the right time. Much love. This podcast is sponsored by contentremover.com. So whether you're looking to remove any images, videos, search results, fake Instagram accounts, get in touch with us at contentremover.com. Guys, we are back and I'm coming to you live from a fresh location in Manchester, bringing you all the best guests. And I'm telling you now, this one is going to be a banger. Today, we have the legend himself, Danny Buck, who took Brand Builder in six years from zero to 120 million with a 20 million a year profit with his, with Crafted. Mate, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Welcome, welcome, much, welcome, yeah. welcome to your home. Welcome to your know, humble yeah, welcome abode. Welcome in. You're one of the first people to see it. It's, uh, it's pretty, pretty new. Uh, different location for us. We've only been in here about eight weeks, so yeah, welcome. Mate, the the, uh, the, the uh, it's 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 no secret that that um that that intro was a bit of a, a bit of a mouthful for me to get yeah, to, yeah, to get everything in times. because I was I was trying to cover I'm trying to cover so many things that you've done now. Obviously, Brand Builder is is the is the holding company that holds all of your e-commerce brands, brands like Crafted and other things that you've built. I kind of want to take people way back to when you to, to how you started and everything like that because obviously you started with a marketing company that first generated you revenue and profits before you started to go yeah. into e-commerce. So just give me a bit of an insight into how you obviously started in business and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it goes back to kind of when I was at university. I, uh, I started selling things on eBay. It's one of the, I mean, you must be going back here. 16 years or something mad like that maybe maybe 15 years um it was 16 years jesus that's gone and uh, we're selling stuff on ebay we're selling uh fake hugo boss wallets or imitation hugo boss wallets um we said they were imitation all that sort of stuff and uh and we just used to sell them we sell them about 30 quid i was making about six quid something like that on them and then we and this was kind of like my first experience with e-commerce anyway um, and what we we got to the point where I could pay my housemates a pound per every order for them to take them to the post office. So we built this little system. We had a supplier, uh, we had a, an e-commerce website which was eBay at the time, and then we had fulfillment, if you like, which was the in, the, the team in house, which was there. And then we made something daft like six thousand quid uh, at Christmas. I was like, this is brilliant. Uh, so I came out of university, and then I was like, right, I want to work for a. A web company or e-commerce was so fresh at this point I genuinely I think I, I was actually 
at the very start of e-commerce. I think at, like, around that point, eBay was kind of like one of the only websites. I'm trying to think if there was any others at this time. And uh, my intention was to just work for like an online company. I ended up getting this job off my uh, brother-in-law, which was maternity cover. I was like, I'm, I'm a business student. I'm going to walk out. I've got a, definitely like 25, 30 grand a year job. Easy because I've got a degree. Like hit me like a salmon in the face. I got, I think it was like 14 grand or something like that was the job I ended up getting after applying and applying and applying. And this was, it was for maternity cover and it was in customer support. So I did that. And then I found that the, the girl I was covering, um, I could do a job in two days, what she was stretching out for five days. It was just customer support tickets, that sort of thing. And this was for a software company, which had a, a web division, they called it. They didn't even have like web marketing. SEO wasn't even a thing at yeah, this point. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of did that. And then I started trying. I was like, well, I've got free time. I've got three days a week. Can I do something else? And they just said, well, why don't you start selling uh, support packages and see if you can up, like up, upgrade people to support packages and hosting and so I started doing that and then started hitting a sales target and then the the MD at the time so my boss was my brother-in-law who my brother-in-law now um, and the MD was another guy and he was just like oh, why don't we just move him into sales and cover customer support with someone else so we started doing that but I, I got into a position where I was like I was more like pro- I wanted to be in product development I was like well this thing called SEO is emerging and there's a company in Liverpool and they're doing mad numbers on SEO. Let's, why don't we look at SEO instead of just websites? So you're, be, you're being like taken away by all these different shiny objects at the time like, and it's getting your creative thinking going. I think so. It's more a case of I could see the revenue. So I could like say, right, so we've got support revenue and we've got web revenue. It's like, but you get ongoing revenue for marketing, web marketing. So once you built the website, it shouldn't just be £20 a month for hosting or whatever. We could get thousands by doing marketing services. That's what my degree was in. So I was, I was trying to say, well, let's, let's see if we can do this web marketing thing. It was SEO and um, I think it was very early stages of paid ads as well, paid search. Uh, but the MD just said, I've got zero interest in it. I don't want to uh, rock the boat on this at all. And I was just like, wow, I, I couldn't believe it. Like I actually put like a proper case to them and everything. And I just thought, I'm 22. I'll, I'll just give it a go on my own. I, I just I just said to them, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just leave then, fine. I, I, it wasn't like a throw my, my toys out the pram. It's just like, I actually really believe in this. So what was the moment that that trailing revenue tr- like thought came into your mind? Because how did that come about? Because obviously trailing revenue and having subscription revenue yeah. in terms of this uh, over a long period is obviously what, what is, is the golden chariot, isn't it, yeah, at the yeah. end of the day? But is, is that's something that dawned on you as an employee. Yeah, so it was more a case of, so let's say that, I can't remember the sales target, but let's say it was 10 grand a month. I thought, well, I could get that with recurring revenue and it'd be a lot easier every month to hit that sales target. So it was that kind of trail of thought. I was like, well, if I can get 10 clients paying a grand a month, then the sales target's hit for the following month. Yeah. So it was more that way of thinking. Um, and it was a lot easier to sell, I thought anyway, it was a lot easier to sell marketing services because no one knew how to do it. Whereas a website back then, selling a website, especially an e-commerce website, everyone saw it as a threat to their their physical store. So it was it was difficult, but luckily we had there was some mad funding around at the time, um, some EU funding. And I could go into someone and go, we'll do your website. It'll cost you five grand, but I can get 40% funding from this EU grant. So they were like, I'll sound then. So I could, I could sell those quite easy. But the main, the main kind of jump was when I decided to leave. And then my brother-in-law said the same thing. He said, well, if you're leaving, and it, it does sound good, let's give it a go. Uh, he left as well, but we were two of the five people in this division. And the, 
the MD at the time who's just like, you're totally screwing me over. But it wasn't that at all. It's like, we're just leaving because we wanted to You, wanted, you wanted to better yourself. Yeah. Um, so he said, Would you force him home? We'll just have to, we'll have to look at options. And then the chairman, who was the MD's dad, said, he kind of came out a bit more like softly and said, right, actually, would you be interested in buying the division off us? So I'd, I'd only been there maybe seven months or something like that at this point. And I found myself doing a management buyout of this web division uh, it was about 120 grand. My mum and dad lent me 10. Um, we lent some off um, Graham's parents, and then the rest we banked, we financed. And for 120 grand, what were you essentially buying? Like, how much turnover were you buying? Uh, the turnover was, I think it was about 150,000, but it was, yeah, it was 150,000 of contractual revenue that we got. So that So that was like, say, like 12 and a half a month, something like that. That's what we're buying. Um, but if we kept it after a certain amount of time, that's that carries on. But what we then got is we got the opportunity to upsell those clients to websites and marketing yeah. and things like that. So that's what we bought. But the main thing was the client base. That's what we got. So they got their revenue. But they, they, the thing, their thinking was if these two leave, that all the clients will leave anyway. So it, was, it, it ended up being quite clean. But what that gave me there straight away, I, I was a business owner at 22, I'd done a management buyout, so I understand the banking process. Uh, I had debt to my name, and then it was just a case of right, what's my like? What what am I earning here? Um, and it was I think the salary went up a, a little bit, but I was kind of it, I was in that salary mind frame at that time yeah. rather than like like I wanted money out of the business, which that changed over time. But it's more a case of like I want I want a hundred grand a year. That's what I want rather than I want to build something to sell. Um, and we ended up building this business from myself and Graham to 105 staff in about eight years it was. And that was on the Wirral. Um, went to the same place for 10 years, the same office. And that kind of got me to my next phase, which we'll go into shortly with, with Bramble. I just, um, I got in this mind, mindset. So it got very corporate. So imagine over 100 staff. 100, 100, what's it like having 100 staff when you... Nightmare. Yeah. Absolute nightmare, yeah. Just not for me. I think I think I think st- staff has been one of the biggest pain points that I've always had growing content removal. Yeah. It's like constant, like when you get someone to do something and then they don't do it, and it's just a nightmare. Obviously, I have a lot of staff overseas. I mean, you you had a physical office where yeah. there's a hundred and five people in a location. Once you get past, I think it's 10, 15, you need HR, don't you? So yeah, it was more the, um, there's a few issues. So it's like having a, having a really close team, I loved. So I think it was about 20. After 20 people, it started to change. But that, that 20, they were brilliant. Everyone was in, we'd, we'd go for drinks together. Um, but it became a point where I think we had a board, of, uh, there was two boards, a strategic board, um, which was the shareholders, and then an operational board which so that's about eight. there was eight, so two boards of four. And the operational board would hire people. So then there'd be people coming into the business that didn't know me and I didn't know them, and they'd just be walking around the office. And I'd be like, hi. And they'd be like, oh, hi. And then it's just like, it just felt weird. Like, that was a company that I started, like, on, on my own, 22. That was like, and it just, it felt like the whole culture had been just torn apart. And then... And, and, and it kind of been done by you, in, in essence, really, when you look back, because at the end of the day, you, you've obviously tried to separate yourself from the business by putting in the operational team. Yeah. But then by putting in the operational team, you feel sh- separated from the business, right? Yeah, I know. And we still, we still go. Um, my role in the business was sales. I had, uh, we sold like Magento websites and 
again, like marketing, we had two divisions, um, website development, which is all e-commerce websites, and then uh, marketing, which was SEO, PPC, the, the very start of Facebook ads. And then we started to dabble in influencer marketing just at the time I was, I was leaving. But, um, but yeah, I made, I made the call to leave because we brought in a, a CEO, uh, myself and my brother-in-law. Um, we kind of clashed along the way, as you do, over that sort of amount of time. We had different visions and I wanted to start to go into Shopify development because I thought it was coming, but um, the fees were a lot lower. So it would have meant that we would have had to um, sack some of the staff. But I think well, we get to this point but now, but I believe we got into a position where the, the web division had the most staff and was unprofitable. The marketing division was really profitable, had less staff. Um, and it would have been a lot easier to do a marketing company than sell Magenta websites because they're an absolute nightmare. You get like... 150 grand or something like that but when someone's spending that amount of money with you it's got to be perfect it took ages um people wouldn't pay certain bills until it was certain things were done and anyway nightmare um so we we brought we made the decision um because we had these different visions to bring on a ceo and the first year we're bringing him on it went really well um but then when we gave him equity this is my version of the events when we gave him equity he turned at me and said i don't like working with you so it was too late at this point. He's got equity, and I was like, right, okay, why? And you've got you don't you, you don't come into the office at the same time we do, all this sort of stuff. And I was like, I go to the gym in the morning. That's what I do. It makes me feel good. I'm hitting my sales target. Like, why does it? Matter? How much equity piece did he have in the business at this point? So obviously, myself and Graham were fifty uh, fifty, uh, and then we gave. It got to the the point where it was re- where it was really bad. I think he had thirty five, and I had thirty seven and a half. So I still had, still had more, but he had sizable chunk to to put. That that's when he started yeah, to tell you about about be, yourself, yeah, <laughs> essentially to be poisonous. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it was it it was bad. It it just didn't work at all. The dynamic uh, started to go bad, and then I felt like I was being ambushed by the other two dev- uh, the other two shareholders. And we made a decision. We bought an app company. Uh, it didn't work out. That one started to go sour. It, was, it just went bad at the end. Um, so one, um, I started getting these things which I, we call love letters now, which is like the board meetings would be kind of hostile. It would be arguments. So then they stopped. We didn't do, didn't really do them anymore. And then when I'd go on holiday, I'd get like two or three days in, I'd get an email saying all the shit, like you don't like about me and all this. And it obviously spoils your holiday. And I was like, you've got to stop doing this. This is, this is spoiling my time, my downtime. Um, and then it got to the point, I got the third one. And I just said, I just wrote back and saying, that's it. I'm never, I'm not coming back into this office again. I'm done. That's me finished. I'm it's a highly back. toxic environment. But yeah. if there was some advice and guidance that you could give a lot of the people listening to this that have businesses that might be thinking about bringing in um, some of the senior team as, as equity partners, yeah. what would your advice and guidance be on them doing that in their businesses? It's just the person. I think it was just, it was a call. Like it was down to, um, visions clashes of visions um views on work ethics simple things like being in times in an office just views views on life really yeah so you've got i think you've got to align yourself with people who have the same views on life um and all, every single business partner i've got now has the same view on life and that, that's a big thing for me even the, even the, the staff the team they have to have the same philosophy like, which is a multitude of fitness freedom um hard work enjoying you, your work social all of that's like different things i think that's that's the main thing but it was just it was petty things like i say it's like I'd, I'd i'd rock in at half eight like half eight still very early it's an office like just a boring office to turn up at half eight having gone to the gym at half six and feeling great and then walk in and someone's been in since seven 
and they're going, you, you're, you're not working as hard as me. And it's yeah, just it's, like, it's, and it's, it's I come a in dumb and, mentality, isn't it? Yeah, and I do my work. I go sign up a 150 grand client in an hour. And then I'll be like, right, I could technically, I've, I've done I've done what I need to do now. I could For the month. Home. Yeah, but I've got, <laughs> it, so sales tax was 330 grand a month. And I, I could sit there. I could, like, so I could, you know, I could literally, I could do, I could do that. I could go and, and like a couple of days later, try and do another one, do some marketing deals, all that sort of stuff. Could do it remotely if I wanted to, because it's just on the phone. But I could do, but if I didn't get in at seven and leave at seven, I was deemed not as hardworking. And you... You're an owner of the company, and and other people in the company are looking at you like that, and you're the owner. Yeah, I know. It's, it's it kind of it's kind of mad when you actually think about how that works out as a structure. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That you get into a structure like that. Obviously, that didn't all happen in one day, though. That happened over a period of time. Yeah. Wasn't there any signs along the way when you were giving away pieces of equity to this other person that that you were making a catalogue of of minor one percent errors? No, or? it was more. Um, the only shared vision was that we wanted to sell. So we was building something to sell. That was that was a shared vision. Um, but when it got to a point where it didn't sell because the figures and the valuation, all that sort of stuff, what didn't match the uh, where it was. And then we had an offer. And for some reason, because I was leaving, even though I'd set up the business, I was getting 40% less than the other three shareholders. It was just like, this just doesn't work. It turns out I just did a deal with the board, um, signed it off, and I was happy with what I was going to get. And three months later, those uh, that board put that company into administration. I got for call, so it left me and Amy in a, a bad place. So they started another company, yeah, and just marketing to close what the, the suggestions that I was putting to the to the board of closing the development division. And then they closed the company that that, that was. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a hard hard pill to swallow, right? Yeah, it was, and it wasn't. You know, it's it's a family member, um, and everything's fine. We're really good friends. We actually use them now for our brands and everything. Everything's been sorted out. We've kind of done that bit. That's good. Um, with the other the other shareholder, that will never be repaired. But um, the the part from us, you know, I think it was. I think the deal. What I, I think my equity was worth at the time we were going to sell it was worth say one point two, one point three million or something like that. It was worth about about that. Um, but when uh, what the deal I did was for about four hundred eighty thousand, but I got sixty, so I got two months of thirty thousand, uh, three months of twenty thousand is what I got. Um, and that was a. This leads into the other journey. So I, I was one of the reasons I did want to leave the agency world anyway was because a lot of our clients were e-commerce brands and they'd have say 20 people um 20 people doing say 25 million something like that and they were like uh, fast fashion brands or um, what, could, can you or, name some of those clients back in the day yeah i think i'm, I'm friends with some of them actually uh, public desire uh, ego shoes they were two fast fashion shoes uh, we worked within the style um in the style did well did didn't they, they? um I think if we worked with any other in the fast fashion space, we had one client, um, which is a finance company. I can't name that actually because NDA, but they, their turnover was two billion, and they used to give us they just set an e-commerce websites up all the time. So that was a great client for us. Um, then we worked with a really cool client called UK Point of Sale. Um, I was brilliant friends with them. They were a massive client for us, um, and it's just marketing strategy. But these people do like I was doing the digital strategy for them, and they were doing mega, mega, mega money with smaller teams. So I was like. If I'm doing the digital strategy, surely retail can't be that hard. So that was my whole plan for the follow-on business. So, but, but I presume that the point you're trying to put across here to everyone is the fact of like you're you're saying that you saw that the model that you're in wasn't the right model to take you to where you wanted to get to. 
essentially. I think I was just done with it. Agency is amazing for cash flow. Yeah, I was I was on a decent salary. Um, I did the whole thing, sports cars, all that sort of stuff, going on holiday as much as I could. Um, but it it didn't get me to where where I wanted to get to so the big the big money. So like as I what's, say, what's big money in your world? A hundred million, I right. think, sort of level would be like. But that so that but I didn't think like that at this stage. I think I was thirty at the time, so I wasn't thinking like hundred million then. It was more my equity's worth one one million, let's say one point three million, somewhere around that figure. Uh, and you know, you can spend that money quite quickly, I'm sure. Like, and if that was the end of it, like, if all I knew was agency, I, like the last thing I wanted to do was sell that and then start another agency. I, I wanted to get into the branding world. I wanted to get bigger turnovers. I wanted to experience retail because I'd always been involved in e-commerce. I just happened to have got into the, the agency side rather than the brand side. Um, but I'd learned so much. I'd recommend to anybody who wants to get into e-commerce, do a few years at an agency. Yeah. I think Jimmy Hills said something similar. From yeah, Hairburst. yeah, G- Jimmy's um, coming on. Yeah, he, he, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy's, Jimmy's done phenomenal with Hairburst. We've got a similar, similar background. I think he works for an SEO agency. But it's it, you, you learn so much just from that side. Even if it's a year or two years, just even if it's unpaid, just let you get in and just work with clients and just understand and listen. And it was so good for that. That that was de- that was the best best part. Because I agency. suppose you get to by working in the agency for someone else, which I didn't do. I set up my own agency, so I had to learn it on the job for myself from day one. Right. Um, I only worked in sales in an agency previously, but I suppose by working in the technic in the technical side of an agency providing the skills you get to see where the clients are having like gray areas and other stuff like this where they're having teething problems and you can look at that and assess that in your business when it comes up and say i've dealt with that yeah you know it's, it's way better to to have kind of seen something than seen nothing so is, is that is that your advice and just for, for everyone who's gonna who wants to start an e-com just to literally go out and, yeah, and do get do, do agency work I first definitely would I'd, i just it's obviously what's been my background but yeah you just get Clients will open the doors to you. They'll they'll show you like you get to look at people's Google Analytics. You get to see like the channels that they're using. You get to see um, if it depends on some clients, but you understand like gross margins and you you get such a picture for the marketing department of of that that brand that it just and, and even like down to the product level, the, the bits that you don't know is kind of what's the next part of my story. But I um you, you don't learn the supply chain. You don't learn customer support. You don't learn or like product selection and re- the whole retail part you don't learn that bit but um you can learn yeah you've got to research that too but i just think understand a year in an agency would do you way more than a course or even even starting your own brand because you will unless you're very lucky you can really fuck up in the first year um i just want to dive back into that obviously you when you said it left you in a massive hole at the point when you when you you know lost that 480 grand yeah but I didn't well lost the future income of a four hundred. I didn't like it wasn't in my bank, and then it went. It was more um, I got. So let's say I leave the agency. I think my salary is two hundred and fifty grand a year. So I leave that. I then done a deal which I get twenty grand a month, uh, which I'm paying um, capital gains. So it's only twenty percent. So the, the, there was it was a bit nice nice bit of cash flow. Um, so I've got that coming in. I've got my mortgage. I've got my car. Cars, Amy's car, um, and you're living that lifestyle because you're the agency guy, yeah. and you you you're living for cash flow at that time. So yeah. obviously your your lifestyle reflects living that lifestyle, right? That's it. Um, so then it was so we did the deal in October, uh, and then I think like Christmas passed, and then in January got the call. It's going into administration. There's no more money. Uh, right at this point, 
I'd already started uh, my first brand, which was Circular, which is a watch brand. I'd put, I'd got debt. So I'd got, um, I think, a 50 grand loan off one company. Because I, I had history at this point, so I could get loans quite easy. I'd accumulated a, 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 I'd signed deals with influencers for a 12-month deal to get them off another watch brand. So I'd committed to pay these people 15 grand a month. I'd paid out 100K. It was about, the liability was about 300 grand. And I had no money coming in. And I had zero income because in the first year of the brand, there's a difference in mentality versus salary to building. You don't want to be taking a lot of cash. So I found myself in this position where I had 300 grand liability and uh, zero income. So me and Amy basically thought we were fucked. And I had bills to pay, mortgage and cars and all this stuff which had accumulated, about five grand a month. So I presume at this point then you're feeling kind of like you you sat there and you're, you're looking kind of to the outside world, you're looking like you made it. But on the inside, you're you're feeling totally different. We just got yeah, we were just fucked at that. That January, I can't remember the year now. Was it maybe sixteen? Maybe yeah, about sixteen, something like that. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, maybe sixteen or seventeen. At that point, we're skin. We're, we're skin on the. You know, we've got I've got a F Type R on the drive, and Amy's got a Mercedes, and we've got a house, a nice house. But we are technically cash flow skint, so we have to find the money from somewhere. So we. We had this mentality, which we always, when we talked, we sat down and Amy would flap and, you know, we'd like be like, what the fuck are we going to do here? And we just kind of had the conversation, well, literally, if it goes to shit, we've got some equity in the house. That was that was always it. If it, if it goes to shit, we've still got some equity in the house, which had built up over time. Um, so what happened was we just got our heads down. I set up a thing called Brand Builder. Um, this was just a consultancy arm for me. So I was like, right. Just found the name. So you went back, so you went, used that consultancy agency yeah. play to get yourself out of the cash flow problem? Yes. Right, okay. So we had, the what we, what all we knew was Circular had um, stock liability and influencer contracts to fulfil. So we knew we had that. And then we had a, a, a liability, which we need, so we had uh, our monthly um, wages as well, which yeah. we needed to, sorry, not monthly, uh, monthly, um, house and car and all that sort of stuff and that was about 5k so we said well let's try and get to the point we get 5k consultancy yeah and that was it brand builder was set up consultancy side and i was like right what i'm going to do is i'm going to do this new thing where we do like zoom it wasn't zoom it was skype skype based consultancy calls so they tell me about the business i go into it and i had circular running and in all honesty those first four or five months of circular because we were spending so much on influencers everyone thought it was doing amazing and because I had the consultancy, I couldn't go into the truth of like how bad it was. So not, I, was, I wasn't lying so much. I was just saying, because it was doing good numbers. I was just doing like, I think in its first three months, it did something like 20 or 30 grand or something like that. It was doing all right, but that revenue wasn't profitable. So although it's, this is why I was saying, I hate the revenue thing, like a oh, hundred million in so-and-so, but like, if you're not, if there's no profit there, I'd much rather have a small profit business now learning what I've learned than the big you know, so the, the big, the big um, revenue things. So, big. so you, you know how you've just said there about you'd much rather have a small profit business, yeah. a small profit than a large revenue number. Can you, can you, I really want you to break that down for this audience because I, I want to understand your thought process and what you've learned from that. Yeah. If I, if I conclude the, the circular thing, it'll come, it will come to that actually. It'll come to this when we, when we started the second brand. So, yeah, so basically what happened was we did we did the circular thing anyway. So that was on the surface, social media. Danny Book started a brand, did 30 grand in its first whatever. 
whatever the I can't even remember what it was now, but and then we had the consultancy. So I started doing consultancy clients, and this took me from January to June-ish sort of time. In the meantime, um, we had a holiday booked for my mum's 60th in October, which we paid for up front with the money we had. Um, it's my mum's 60th in March. So in this period of having zero money, we ended up in Mexico for my mum's 60th. Um, and we, we, it was all inclusive, all that sort of stuff. So luckily, um, no costs. But we sat there and me and Aim, I was doing consultancy calls whilst I was there. I was doing content, like this lifestyle of running a brand whilst you're away, all that sort of stuff to bring clients back in. Um, I, f- I feel like I'm not one of those toxic, like up, like fraud guys, because I actually had a pedigree in, in marketing. So the clients felt they got value. I did, I did these things called brand builder plans, which were like business plans. Um, which I charged 250 quid for, and then I got the ongoing and did all this. Anyway, we got to the point, it was, it was after, after that holiday, I was, we started to get a bit of momentum uh, on the consultancy side. But whilst we're in March, uh, sorry, whilst we're in Mexico, Amy, there's a picture, of, I took it, of Amy staring at the sea, and then she walks back from this staring at the sea, and she said, I wonder whether a jewellery brand based on the ocean would, would work. And just like, it was like, right, what, what do you think? And she just said, well, what if we just did it just to cover our wage? So it's not like a multi-million pound brand. We're not going for like eight figures, 10 figures, all that sort of stuff. All we're after is something which stays underneath the VAT threshold and, and makes enough money for us to pay ourselves. I was like, that's a good idea. That, 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 even if it made two grand, that would help towards consultancy part and all that sort of stuff. So we, that, out of that came a brand called Honu, which launched about two, two months later. And it was basically jewellery, which is ocean-inspired. So wave rings and turtle rings and palm tree stuff and all that sort of thing. And it, it pretty much, from the first day, made money, that brand. It's amazing, man. Yeah, un- until last year, which I'll come to. But it pretty much made, made money from the second. And that allowed me to stop the consultancy. It paid us. It, 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 that overtook maybe, like, I think we were getting about 6K a month. So I didn't have to do the consultancy. So I stopped doing the consultancy because that was the time-consuming thing. And what I did was I carried on the brand builder plans, which are the business plans, because they, they work really well. And there'll be people, if I share this podcast, people who, who would have had a brand builder plan. And I believe in that because it was very good. It was basically all my knowledge. And then um, I'd apply the main sort of funnel and then I'd customize it to each person. And that was it. We charged 250 quid, sell 10 to 20 of them a month. Maybe even more in some months actually. When we did, we had a brand builder podcast, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then that that was my for let's say it was twenty seventeen. That was my twenty seventeen. So it was running circular, which is unprofitable, um, and getting getting subsequently getting myself in even more debt. Honu, which was paying our personal bills, and then the consultancy, which was pretty much paying for our fun. So us going out places, all that sort of stuff. End of twenty seventeen, we're back in the game. So, like, we are in a position. We have nothing tangible, nothing to sell, if you like, but we've got cash flow again. Um, and as you'll you'll know, you're as happy as your pockets are sometimes. We weren't in a good place, so we, our motivation was down and all that sort of stuff. But we dug deep and we got in, and then as soon as you get momentum, all of a sudden confidence, confidence is back. Um, and along that journey, I was sharing about, like, uh, started sharing everything on Snapchat. I was sharing the whole new journey. Look how, like, we're packing these orders. We've done this influencer. Look, it's got 500 orders off this influencer, blah, blah. Um, and my business partner Alex Cannon, um, I think we followed each other, and 
he said, I love your philosophy on freedom. Do you want to chat? Um, so I was like, great, okay. Um, I think I think I, I had it, I actually had it in my head to, to meet him anyway because I wanted him to promote Circular. Um, so I did, I got there, I gave, I hope you don't mind me saying this, actually, I gave him 500 quid cash and I was like, I know you charge more, but it's some cash we do do as a post for Circular. And he was just like, it was, this was in Yo Sushi, and he was just like, and then we, we agreed it anyway, we agreed a deal. And um, and that was the first time we ever met, and then we kind of relationship went from there, had a beer, and that was it. And then next time, he, um, he just messaged me saying, I've got an idea, do you fancy meeting in Nando's in Liverpool? And um, he said, I love like your concept about this, like building brands, freedom, all this sort of stuff, I've got an idea for a brand. Um, and he told me, and da da da, and off he went. And um, and at the end, he just said, "So do you want to do it then?" I was like, "Oh, you, you want to do it with me?" I thought you were just saying you wanted to just do the brand, and you wanted me to just do your plan or something. He's like, "No, let's do it together." And this this turned out to be crafted. Um, and he he had thoughts of this men's jewelry brand, which you know, there was no cool, there was no cool jewelry like you had at high street retailers, let's say. And um, and they would they would you know I bought a chain when I was eighteen from a high street jeweler, but there was no cool jeweler. There was no like influencer. There was uh, influencer base one or social base one, if you like, which cool people would wear. And um, it was just we didn't know this at the time, but it was just at the bottom of the curve. It was just starting to rise. The men's jewelry space was just starting to rise. Um, so we built that one. I did the whole. I actually packed those orders myself. The very first crafted orders, I was packing them in a box room in our house in the Wirral. Amy was on one side of the room with a desk, and I was on the other side with another desk. She was packing Honu, and I was packing crafted. And then, um, yeah, Alex would do, like, the social, he'd do the product design, and then I'd, I'd do the fulfillment, if you like. And uh, I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely hated doing it. I loved the orders. I hated the fulfillment. Just, just, I just didn't like it. Like you, you do it, you take it to the post office, all that sort of. The, the, it was fun handing over a bag to the to the post office, but packing the orders, I just, I was, I'm a marketer. Do you know what I mean? It's not. But I suppose everyone should pack their products before they send them to three PLs, shouldn't they? Yeah, I think, I think you need to understand it, um, which is fine. I did it. I did it for f- four months or something like that. I just, I just didn't like it. So I think that that was it because all I wanted to do, I wanted to do the uh, the ads. I wanted to do the commerce strategy, the digital, all the stuff that I. I'm used to. And everything that makes, makes kind of brings in revenue, but nothing that kind of packs the product and stuff. Yeah, the operation. So at this point, we'd, we, uh, we just decided the best thing is to put, so Circular was already in the 3PL at this point, but we just said, right, let's get Crafted in there. Let's do it. Crafted did, I think on its, we did a first drop, which... Because um, you were doing limited pieces, weren't you? Yeah, so we, did, again, we thought, let's, let's sell out, let's do that sort of strategy, which is just ego stuff. We did, we did this thing, and we, we uh, I don't know, maybe made 20 grand or something like that in, on launch. And then when we did, uh, we bought properly and did our proper drop, which I think was drop two. It did 10 grand in 15 minutes. And we were like, me and Al were like, we're on something here, this is, this is big, this could be really big. It was in a 3PL at this point. Um, and from that, it did 1.7 in its first year, crafted. Uh, it then went on to do, I think it was, I think it was seven in its second, then 11, then 15, then 20, 
now. Let's see see where we're at now. But and what's the profit on on that? Uh, it's it's high. I don't disclose it totally. You can get what you want out of company's house, but um, the reason so we have it, the profit is higher than normal. It's higher than most people's profit, and there, there's a reason for that. It's not because the, the the product price. It's because of our operational layer. Right. So our gross margins are similar to what you'll see in clothing. You'll see everywhere else, but our operational layer. So the way that we run the company, we have spread resource. Um, we outsource a lot. We. I want you to break this down. Yeah, yeah. I want you to. I want you to break down how the the, the structuring and how people can make it more profitable in theirs. Because like, I think it's just. I think it's game changer. Well, f- f- firstly, we don't use any uh, agencies unless it's something we literally can't do. So, web development is an example. None of us are web developers. So, I do all the Facebook ads with another guy. Um, we have. We, acquired a tiktok agency so that's kind of a part it's, it's building an ecosystem so what this is all development of what's happened so if you kind of go along the yep. journey i've had an agency i've then had a brand i've then had another brand another brand and we've obviously got we've got a fourth one now but we've and i've then realized actually we can have a holding company which becomes an agency to support all the brands it's, it's, it's interesting how how you suggest people start an agency f- because obviously you know how great a cash flow it is, but you won't use agencies yourself because you because you know how much margin there is on the agency. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? And that's where the e-commerce brands get hit in it. If you've got your if you've got a creative energy doing your creative, and then you've got the you know someone running your e-com ads and all this kind of stuff, it's soon you're soon paying a lot of money, thousands in fees before you even break even. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's lots of there's there's strategic decisions. So. You, the average um, the average tax we'll pay in America will be, say, six, versus the average tax in the UK will be 20. So we've got three PLs in America. We'll sell, distribute in America. A lot of our marketing efforts will be in America because we make a little bit more over there. doesn't change the, the quality of the product. That's always being redeveloped, the cost and stuff. It's just how strategic we are. So there's, there's strategy in geography. There's strategy in having a core team which supports multiple brands. Um, and again, that's same with uh, creative. And there's only there's only three main costs: product, operations, if you like, which is like customer support, that sort of thing. Uh, Mark advertising, yeah, that's that. So I'd say our, our main cost, obviously, forgetting taxes and stuff like that. But our main costs will be operations, three PL, customer support, internal operation, um, product, and advertising. And your and your so your when you say the structure benefits you. I presume what you're talking about is is your you've got your customer support team will support all the customer support for every single brand, and that's kind of that's kind of how you're talking about structural stuff, yeah. Yes, that's it. Now, so that's got us to a point. Now, no one expected Crafted to do what it's done. That was the first thing um, because it's that's quite a small. That is a very small and mighty business. It's a it's now become a big business. So our 2023 plan is to how do we scale that to say 50 million what's our next step to do 50 million profitably again um you should never lose on profit it's one of our philosophies like i'd rather have a business doing 5 million unprofitable than 20 million unprofitable because of the stress that goes along the way and there's a lot more so we've, we now we're looking at different distribution channels that requires staff so we are making a decision for growth on that brand do you position brands like crafted into places like amazon as well no Nowhere online which would do that, which would th- uh, be a threat to us. The only ones that we'd consider are like a Selfridges or a Reese or someone like that, which have their own customers, have their own audience. But anywhere which is going to be people would shop on that. Why would we give away fifteen percent? The only, the only 
pushback I have on that for you that I would like to get your thoughts on is the fact of like, well, I was speaking to other big big e-com owners and they're saying that in order to get a higher multiple on the sale of their business, they have to diversify the channels. Yeah, we do, our version of that is uh, looking at distribution and looking at wholesale. But owning the customer for us, our CRM is so good. So our email marketing, that's another reason we make so much margin is because we don't, our, our channels aren't tied to just Facebook. A lot of brands will just be Facebook and they got stung with the iOS 14 updates. Our CRM is fantastic. So constantly launching new products, constantly looking at incentives to get people to buy again, campaigns around different calendar dates, all that sort of stuff. Is it, is we it, can't do that if, if they're with Amazon. We can't do that, that customer's with Amazon. Is there any particular software that you're using that, most e-commerce brands should use to, to kind of, is it like HubSpot or what? what no, it's what? Clavio or Clavio. Um, I think everyone would be using it. It's more it's how we use the tool. I think that's, that's, that's just to make sure it's fully optimized. I've seen Clavio because obviously like everyone, everyone's, everyone in uh, as a Shopify store using that, you yeah, know, exactly. to, to, to run their email marketing and the follow-up sequences you, you can program into that. It's un- unbelievable. It. Yeah. It's that it's um, SMS, email, obviously your, your different ad platforms, organic social creative is a big part of it which makes you stand out some of which i actually wanted to talk about and this is the whole that's my buzzword at the moment is um i feel like there's a, a lot of i mean going into e- e-com now so like the story's done but like the, the e-com side of my views on it we've got brand people that think they have to build a brand before yep. they build a business so if you have a business that can that can get to a certain level of turnover maybe 10 maybe 20 million without being a brand to become a brand, you have to do things which, in my opinion, you have to do things which lose money or doesn't make money, but can develop the brand. So last year, we had a big brand play spent multiple seven figures on brand, and that's podcast sponsorship or outdoor things or whatever, you know, like to do things which don't bring in revenue. But but yeah. but but also pushes client touches, like in terms of like if you've got to have seven touches to make a sale, you know, you're getting three or four touches from different podcasts, yeah. creative and all that stuff, yeah? Now, the interesting thing is... Last year, we, we just we didn't make that back in profit. We know we didn't, um, and we changed strategy this year and put it more into a diversified paid structure, a direct response structure, and we're 45% up on last year already this year, and that's and we're doing no brand, if you like. We do a couple of podcasts and stuff because we like the people, we like the faces and the representation, um, but the brand stuff last year didn't work, but this is where I feel like there's a, there's a bit in between this, and no one talks about style. So I feel like Crafted does so well because of Alex's creative direction in Andy's style. So the, the style of the creative, the look of the creative. So you can even have, the tones in even the tones of the colours and the way that you position the colour palette on, yeah. on Crafted and the brand is it's done well. Yeah, that, I mean it's it's down to but the tone of voice. So like people call it branding, um, and there's obviously different forms of like what you interpret. So my view is what people say about your brand, that's branding, so what other people say. But with this, with, with Crafted, and then what literally we've, we've just done a rebrand or restyle of Honu is, um, is to do with the style. So like if, I feel like you can lose your way with style, and that's literally who's wearing the product. What does the image look like? What does the website banner look like? What do your emails sound like? What do they, what do they read like? What does, when you've got all of these, these touch points across different senses, and it's a style which makes you different. You could have the same products as somebody else, but the style identifies with a person. And they go, oh, that's my style. So like with Crafted, we get, we've get we got people who wear it that have got, like, especially Alex, some of his mad shirts. Like He'll have like Casablanca shirts, all these stuff. People go, that's fucking cool. I like that style. I could wear chains like that. 
So they choose us on style, not necessarily product. Product is primary, but style is, is secondary. And with Honu, we lost our way with our style. We were an ocean-inspired beach brand. And if you look at the social, I think they've deleted some of it now, but like because this year we, we changed. You look at it, and it lost its way. There wasn't people at the beach on the feed anymore. There wasn't people at the beach on the website. The products aren't really beach-like. And I feel like if you know your style, your style is your niche. So you can attach this part to your brand, your business, all that sort of stuff. And that's all that it matters. You don't need to go heavy on brand values and all these things. Like People can get lost in these. I think Nike, they need brand values because they, they, they're a different beast altogether. Apple, all these people, you know, all these people read these books. And I've, I've been one, I've thought, right, I need to build a brand. But first you need to build a business. And I feel that if you can attach a style to a business, that kind of gives you a branding indirectly without branding cost. Yeah, no, I I, I actually fully agree because I've I've seen so many people go down the, this rabbit hole of chasing. You know, they'll read um, you know Peter Thiel, Peter Thiel book Zero to One or something like that, and they'll they'll read all that and they'll think about building this mammoth mammoth beast of a business that's got that looks like an Apple store at the front end, but doesn't make any profit on the back end. It's, it's no good to you. It's like you need to focus on where the money is first and then also, you know, extrapolate that out and see how that looks and then add... add you, I suppose you have a style board, essentially, to kind of... At, at the start, like, how do you, how do you, how are you doing the style board? Are you doing that, like... Is it like a Pinterest board that you do, or is it a full... full I think it's, um, it's your niche. So if you look at... So we, we've got jewelry brands now and we looked at each one and go right so the jewelry market's massive do you want to be male female do you want to be unisex do you want like what, what do you want to do first okay so you take like crafting honu two biggest out, out of them because one of them's brand new um so you got one which is like right so one's male and one's female so you look at crafted and you go right male jewelry market is it big um growing is it saturated by loads of brands? No. Okay, so we can be generic. We can kind of be, we can have a style, but we can aim towards multiple different st- styles. Female jewelry market, it's saturated. So you need to stand out. You need a, you need a, um, a micro niche attached to it. So that's why Honu is not just a female jewelry brand. It's a ocean inspired female jewelry brand. And you've, all you need is a thousand loyal customers that'll tell 10 friends and you've got a business which will go on and on and on. Yeah, what the one thousand true fan method. Yeah, yeah. you don't need uh, to set out and go right. I'm starting this. Uh, I'm going to be the biggest female jewelry brand in the world, or I'm going to be the biggest um, men's fashion brand in the world. I'm going to do it in one year, and you get people that'll be the buy um, the buy fashion do- like a domain name, ridiculous. Like spend twenty five grand on a domain name. They'll then go out and sp- uh, get a mad agency, London agency, and spend fortunes on images and color palettes and all this sort of stuff. And you just like. Wow, so you're minus 150, 100, minus 200 grand. You've not even started yet. And they, what they're doing is they're not building a business. And they're going, well, well, we'll do the best products we possibly can and we'll make 10%. And the, you know, it's just, it's not, you, what, you've got to understand the um, the unit economics of what, what makes a good e-commerce brand, attach a style to it, and then grow slowly, I think, is, is my advice at the moment, especially with the costs. Break down that the unit unit economics for me and how that and how that works because essentially what what percentage margin should you should you be getting on these on these kind of products? Totally varies on product. Totally varies on product. If you do if, like it could you could go. I mean, we could you could give me ten different examples and they'll all be very 
very different. But you need to make enough gross profit to make enough net profit. That's that's basics, basics of business. You've got to consider in the countries you're selling in and the VAT you're going to have to pay. You've got to consider the cost per acquisition from your advertising channels and what's that going to be. You've got to consider your lifetime value and the free or average order frequency, how many people are actually going to buy. Can you afford to lose on your first order? But you make money on your second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I use, essentially, are you selling something that could be repeat purchased so you can lose, you know, a few quid on the on the front end to be able to know that that person's going to buy again and again and again and you're going to make it up on the back end and how many sales does it take essentially to, for you to break even before you're in a profit? Yeah, but saying, like, I'd really encourage people to go back to the mentality we had with Honu. With Crafted, we got, I wouldn't say we got lucky, we put ourselves in a good position to get lucky, but... With Crafted, it took off from day one. That's rare, really rare. We had the right products to an emerging market. We had Alex's amazing style, amazing product and creativity. I had my background in e-commerce. We had two of us come together and it just boomed from day one. But Honu, that didn't have those things. And we decided we were going to start really small. It did under the VAT threshold in its first year and made, let's say, I don't know, it was, like I said, it was it started in June and made us made us 30 grand, probably something around 30 grand profit off, let's say it was under 85 grand, so maybe it was 80 grand. So that that's more, and the way that I always encourage people to think is like if they want to quit their job to start a brand, work out what their take-home wage is first and make that the profit and go, go from there. Don't go in the mentality that I'm going to get all these, because I've done this, get loads of loans and go nuts on all these different things and it'll just end up totally, totally putting you on the back foot. You lose your mentality. You're now you're under pressure. You're not thinking about growth. You're thinking about uh, survival. I feel like that's a better way for people to start in e-commerce. Do the agency thing. Start a small brand. Go slow. No ego. No like putting it out. I've done a million quid on the first day. There's plenty of people that do that. Yeah. But you, could, you we, I could do that. I could do that. I, I know exactly what I could do right now. I could make a million quid in one day. But I wouldn't make any profit. Be- because and I, and I because you because your metrics at that point are all driven by ego, you know, yeah. you, you're not getting driven by actual the, the true numbers on the back end of actually what's going to make you revenue. And also, if you grow that quick, you're talking about a trajectory that that breaks a lot of stuff real quickly. Yeah. Right. So everything breaks. You, 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 your email system will break. Your CRM will break. Your packaging and delivery will break. Everything will break if you scale from that. In your bank you know, will break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's the it's the mate cash flow is is obviously the big the big one. You've got to, you've got to understand your order timelines and then getting into a negative cash flow cycle, a negative cash conversion cycle. So getting to the point where your suppliers will send you the product and you can sell the product before you have to pay the suppliers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've never I've never even thought about that. Yeah, I think Gymshark were the main guys that did it first, but there's so all of these things. So how do, how do you structure that? Good terms of the suppliers, um, you can get finance on it if you want to give away margin, 3% or something like that. There's all sorts of different ways you can do it. Um, but the, the, the main the main way is get really good terms of the suppliers and have, have a product which ships, can be made and ship in a two, three month max. So I'd say 10, 10 week period. And I suppose you pick products from looking from the products that you pick that you always pick small packet products you don't really go for i do yeah because no yeah. i know the cost of postage yeah yeah and, and obviously the weight and stuff like that how are you going about sourcing the products and making sure that you get the right suppliers that can that can obviously fulfill the con oh, it's been done over time um so the best way to do this everyone like everyone says how do you, how do you find a product or well, first up the products need to be something that you actually care about, give give a shit about. So they have. So you, so you're saying you have to do a product that you care about. 
uh, you have to either do a product you care about or a style that you care about. So a style or brand which you there's a, there's a niche, there's a, mi- a micro niche or a worldview that you actually care. You actually are passionate to say, I own a brand in the so and so niche, or I own a brand in the so and so market, or whatever you want to call it. Because for me, like men's jewelry, although I don't wear loads of jewelry, I like I like the bracelets, I like the style, I like the accessories thing of it. Obviously, they're great. Uh, that's it's a great. Um, e-commerce products because it's like being small and stuff like that but um it's low return as well so they all of these things we when we pick the products yeah we do it but crafted craft is just a brilliant a brilliant brand honor is just a brilliant brand i love for me i love not necessarily that the product side i'm weak at product if that from what i've learned and um, that's why we um with circular got leon scott involved as creative director he owns half half the brand we've got a, a really op- exciting opportunity i can't say a word about it um but we've got a really exci- exciting opportunity with circular coming up which hopefully comes off and you'll be able to see um but leon does all the product design alex does all the product design amy does all the product design and then with a style which yeah. you've not talked about yet um taylor and darby they do all the product design and you and 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 obviously because you because you now identified what you're good at in the business, you can all just go into stuff that you're actually genuinely good at and not start to stress about all this other stuff. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Because it, it, it's so important then self the self realization of what you can actually do and what and what your strengths are, isn't it? Like how is is it is there a moment in time where you've actually kind of sat down and assessed what you're actually good at and kind of positioned yourself along the brands, or have you just found your way through that? Uh, yeah, so it's been it's been organic, definitely. Because I thought I was good at products. I was doing the, the picking circular watches, and I realised nobody orders two watches; they order one, and then that's it. So we kind of learned that product side, and then I got Alex is just fantastic at product. Leon's fantastic at product. Amy, when she's inspired, she needs to be by the sea, which is what we've we've just done. Honu Honu didn't have a great year last year because, in a way, Amy fell out of love with it a bit. Um, she couldn't. She just lost innovation for products, which is very very important you can see if the brand owner the product side loses interest loses motivation it's game over yeah game and, over and i suppose like with, with a you know living in manchester and then having a sea inspired product <laughs> it kind of it's kind of like hard to it rains it yeah, yeah it's, it's hard, it's, hard yeah. To, it's hard to get that to get that mo- momentum isn't it yeah yeah it was it's, it sounds like an absolute um i don't know if it's just a rich man problem sort of thing but um it worked so when we were in bali amy was back in inspired you by the siege drawing new products and then we just got back from Maldives again if you look at last year so only lost money last year it's the first time we've ever lost money on a brand lost lost money and um you look at it and we didn't launch good products we lost the style there's loads of different things that just went went wrong so it's like right what are we doing what are we doing here what's happening so Amy said I'm putting a lot of pressure because we want to go to the Maldives anyway like that's my view on businesses I like because of that office like going to the same place every year. Yeah. I like to travel. And that's yeah. my thing. Um, that's why I'd, I'd like, I just don't, I don't invest in a few things, but my main reason for work is to travel. That's what I like to spend my money on. Um, but yeah, so we're going anyway, but Amy's like, right, I'm going to use this as a proper inspiration trip. Like you can't get better than Maldives, by, literally by the clearest ocean, beautiful sand, all that sort of stuff. And I'm not kidding. As soon as we got, we got there, the, the seaplane, as soon as you got off the seaplane, saw the sea, immediately a change. And it, it was just amazing. It's brilliant to see. She's just like, oh, we could do, what about this? What about this product? What about this? And then she, notepad uh, comes out, sketchpad, starts drawing all these different designs. And it's perspective, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's like a, re- it's, it's really... That'll, um, that'll make more money the, this year than the Maldives cost. So you've got to ask yourself, like, again, it's, it sounds like a really stupid thing, but like, if that makes us 
a couple of million quid this year. What? How important is it to go to the Maldives for that specific reason? Like, is it, for me, that is that's vital. It, like, you could say that to the wrong person, and they'd be like, "You fucking arrogant to." Act. But it's but it's it's not that for us. That is literally. Amy sits in this kitchen and stares at the wall and is not inspired. Or we go to the Maldives, look at the ocean. Next thing, we've got five new collections this year, which make make a fortune, keeps people in jobs, and it's vital. I mean, we were talking before the podcast, weren't we, about it's like even this beautiful house that you're in now. It's like I, th- I think if you're probably even happier in the apartment than you were in the house, yeah. in, in, in essence. Do you know what I mean? Like It's a funny one, that. So like we, our lives change when we move around here. So we, we lived, lived on the Wirral. And um, Wirral's a beautiful place. Loved it. Uh, we lived there for seven years. Lovely, lovely people. Um, but the council has it. They're, they're not investing in it. It's There's... there's bowling greens that people want to um, build on they want to make nice things they want to like pedestrianize villages bring in like all different markets restaurants want to make it good but there's a lot of people that just reject it so we realized that the, the economy there wasn't wasn't going anywhere we i'm from manchester originally i've been trying to get amy back here for 10 years 15 years something like that um, we finally picked an apartment in alderley edge and we we went over moved in um beautiful place rented never rented before we're renting this and um and from from like when we got in there it's just it's such a beautiful apartment it things just started to like change with me like we we were sharing a building with uh, professional footballers ex um uh, england players um like big big names that i won't say because i don't want to share where they, they live but um and we had all like we'd go to the pub and we'd see like professional man united players uh, man city players and just around, like, um, one of the richest families around here, all these people, and they're all great people. And I've said, like, oh, it's dead fake around Alderley Edge, all, like, yeah, all that stuff. And then with them, we're, we're, just, we're just kind of, we're in an apartment building, which is kind of like a big hotel. Um, you have a party and reception, all that sort of stuff, like, brilliant. And these, we met these people, and perspective started to change. You're just like, well, actually, everyone's just the same. Everyone's brilliant. Everyone's, like, there's a lot of people in here which got a lot of money, but everybody's super cool, everyone's dead friendly, we go to the pub together, go on walks together, all this sort of stuff. And then um, conversations start to happen. So next thing, before we know it, I've met um, a guy called uh, Michael. And Michael is mar- now married to Darby. So Mike, uh, Michael Jackson is his name, uh, is married to Darby Ward. And uh, Michael was brilliant for me around here, didn't know anybody in Alderley Edge, uh, took me out, we'd go for drinks, all that sort of stuff. It's like, where do I get, where's good for a haircut? He'd send me here, all that sort of stuff. Um, and became like my first like proper friend around here. Uh, and as we were talking and dad was like, oh, what I do this brand and uh, me and Taylor have got an idea for this brand. And I was like, um, like, just listening, I'll help you, whatever you want to do, I'll help you, I'll help you, um, no problem. And then next thing they, they said, well, what about if we did like a more premium jewellery brand? I'm thinking, oh, this'll be good. This'll take off. Big connections. Um, they've got a brilliant reach. Really good eye for design. Like the family's um, all interior design. Has got a bit of big interior design company. I was like, oh, can we handle another one? And um, we just worked it out. Alex um, came on board as well. Alex Cannon. Um, we d- did the company stuff. It took a while to get going. Uh, Taylor was pregnant at the time as well. Like. Um, but the, the designs, the sketches, and we just we just made sure we got it right, and then we launched in October last year. Incredible, incredible launch! And now it's 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 up there. It's profitable every day, and this is the this is the thing we don't want to. So the, the same philosophy all around. Nobody wants it to be twenty million year one. It's let's get profitable, let's grow, let's add categories, let's find the style, let's grow and grow and grow. And you don't care whether that's like ten, twenty, thirty grand. You just want it profitable. Yeah, 
I, all, I, all I care about is profit. So the way that the company now uh, operates is on uh, the brands are all individual, brand builders in the middle, and brand builder makes its cash off profit distributions. So this is this is a way of um, building a holding company. So as long as Crafted and all the companies they make a profit and they pay their um, they pay the corporation tax, that's legal. And then the profit, then we decide what do we want to take. So it makes twenty five quid. We go oh, pick an easy number. Makes twenty quid. Me and Alex, me and Leon, me and Amy, Taylor Darby, um, we all we, we split that split that profit. And that's it. And the yeah. And, and then, so, the, so the idea being, you create a holding company with a lot of cash in. If I put that in my personal account, which is why I hate the housing side so much, um, if you put that in your personal account, then you pay tax. Obviously, it's personal personal tax. But whilst it's in the holding company, I can do investments. Uh, I can build, like I said, invested quite a lot in wine, which is all in France. It's not, I don't store a lot in the house, just what I want to drink in the house. Um, and can do different things, bought a plot of land, a big plot of land, which has got like housing stuff. It's not my scene at all. Kind of wish I didn't do it. Um, but that I use that. So create brands which create profit, pay into a holding company, build the holding company. Use holding company to make investments and that you get future cash flow. I love it. And you protect yourself because obviously can't be sued because you're two steps removed from the from the actual brand itself as well. So people can't take cash off a brand when there's no money in the actual brand. It's all in the holding company, isn't it? So kind of protects you that way as well, legally. <laughs> I wouldn't, to be honest, I'd never thought of that. But the um, the main thing for us now is we, I want to get to a point where we can build to sell. Not not brand build, that will always be mine. It's the brands themselves. Yeah. So it's building them like houses, basically. It's getting them to a point where they do have their own team. They do have, they can operate individually. If someone's to unplug them from Brand Builder, they could they could be plugged into whatever ecosystem someone else has got. Uh, so so in essence then, just to break that down even further, you, what, you've, what you've done is you've built this holding company, built all the brands separately to, to keep them highly profitable. You've, ra- you've ran all those brands through one centralized team, so centralized customer service, centralized marketing, centralized this. But, but, now, in or- but, but now in order to build them to sell, you're going to revert them back into putting in positions in them for their own team so they're ready to sell. Yes, when, the, when they reach a, a size, um, because there's certain, there's certain people in there which now um, they spend more time on one brand than another. Um, and the truth is, like, it's, it's, it is nice to have, a, like, a core team of just one. So, like, I can, I can think of other people as well, but like, I can think about multiple, multiple things at once. Like, I can, I can do Facebook ads for all the brands I still do, and I love that. If you take that away from me, I'm... I'll be bored. Like I actually love that form of work. That's that's what I do. Um, but there'll be some people that just want to w- focus on one, and that's fine. I get that. And it's like including like some of the team. They want to focus on one. They, that's brilliant. It's no problem. Just do that. And we've we've done that now um, for for some some team members, and and that's it. Because we yeah we got we got we've been approached by not last year the year before we were getting approached a lot for crafted. Um, because people were saying, like, how are you growing still? Because like, they'd been hit by iOS and how are you doing all these things? And I think it was pro- product market fit was definitely a part of that. And we, we grew really well. But I think for us, it was the wrong time to sell. We we spoke to people. We got different valuations. We got um, people into value the company, all that sort of stuff. Um, it got valued nearly 70 million. It's a big, big deal. We could sell it. Um, 
but I feel like it's got more in it. I don't know. It's it feels sometimes though as an entrepreneur, it's like knowing it's, it's knowing when you're holding on too long in it, and knowing, knowing exactly when to sell. And knowing that the only person that'll ever know that is you. Yeah, like no one can tell you that. Like no one sat across you can tell you when when it's ready. But obviously, like you're either gonna make a big win or or, or a little bit of a mistake and sell it a bit too late. Like my, my uh, non-monetary uh, goal is, I want to be in the club with. Pure Avidas, the Movement Watches, the Gym Sharks, um, the, the Shopify brands. Because it's my, I've been in e-commerce. That is my career, e-commerce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I talked to you about wine, football, e-commerce, and nothing else. I'm boring after that. It's I've been in this game now since the start. I want my, I want my trophy. So that's so that. Yeah. So it's what that trophy is. You know, Movement two hundred million, Pure Avida. I think it was one sixty. These are dollars. Um, I think. I think. I think on the tra- on the on the trajectory that you're on anyway, you do the two hundred million anyway. On the trajectory you're on without selling anything, need need to do a lot to get to that value. Now, I think D 2 C's got. Um, a, people think D 2 C's had its day, and there's a few things which you know. What, what's the What's the for and against for that comment? Like what's uh, iOS fourteen? A lot of brands are tight. They they grew so fast off Facebook ads, and it's. 20, 30% more expensive to do that. So if you can't afford that, you've lost a marketing channel, which is your grow, main growth channel. Um, it's the next wave of e-commerce, I think, as well now. So TikTok's coming. Um, we bought a TikTok agency last year, 50, 50% of a, a TikTok, uh, mainly ads agency, but a um, bit of organic sort of thing because that that's a threat and an opportunity. So TikTok, if it keeps going and takes, up, takes mm-hmm. ad spend off Facebook and we're crap at it, then all of a sudden, our competitors who might get good at it, we're, we're we've lost we've lost market share. So it's it's covering our backs there. But the main way that we use TikTok at the moment is to offset the increase, and it's something I'd encourage other brands to look at. We've done the scale isn't there on TikTok, so let's say we we'd spend say twenty grand a day on uh, Facebook, and um, we could spend maybe three grand a day on TikTok, but the cost per acquisition, if you get it right, is a lot cheaper than it is on Facebook. So you can bring the two down the average of the two down so facebook's increasing tiktok's lower it, you can still maintain a cpa if you do the right strategies and that's something that we've we've employed and that's worked quite well for us but the the energy required for tiktok is is ridiculous you need fresh creative weekly which is something we we struggled with at the start so to do ads like facebook we've had i, I put out no, people don't know this, and it sounds like a bit of a dick move but like i leave ads live on facebook so our competitors think that they're good so they because you can copy them in the ad library so just leave some of them live in like a little campaign but we have we've had other ads running for years on there but you can't tell which ones are working because of the way that i leave them but on um on tiktok you could put an ad up and it'll be like fuck this is brilliant and then 10 days later it's shit so you, you so you leave ads running that lose money uh, they don't lose money they just they just don't do that great but i leave them on because people we, we get copied left right and center by different people there's a, there's, we have brilliant competitors that I think are absolutely brilliant um, and we have awful competitors that will literally do a bad version of Alex. There's an ad, a green next ad, which we leave live just because it's funny to see the versions. But we get people in like different European countries, all that sort of stuff, and they'll just do a really, really bad rip-off version of that ad. Um, yeah, we just find it funny. But we, we're, we're at our best when we innovate. We always say, like say that. Um, yeah. How do, how, do you, how do you keep yourself away from looking too much at other people and looking too much over there and getting involved in what other people are doing when you're trying to have success for yourself discipline 
it's amazing because it, you do you like you'll see a competitor and you'll go wow that's good that's 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 good and like I say there is ones that you respect they go they're in their own they go in their own direction and that's cool that's okay um but for us it's like if we hear like people talking about it in the office it's like we're not them do you know what I mean it's we're we're us we we have our own style if you look at if you were to, to put all the big jewelry brands next to each other you'd clearly see we're, we're different doesn't mean we're better or or worse than these we're just different and that's that's something that we're like the like I said the buzzword this year style like crafted has a style um we we could have a person wearing just a plain back black t-shirt and have a really thin chain or we could have a Casablanca checkered shirt with layers and pearls and all sorts of stuff and that's a, that's a style that's like a confidence thing and that we feel that we are like if we were to use brand words one of our things is, is self-belief and, and confidence and that's what we that's what we feel we get um there's other people which are more street style um there's other brands like just totally different brands maybe a bit more like gen z style um but for us if you look at our an image of we could, I, I believe we've got to the stage now where you, if you can't if you can't see the jewelry, you can tell it's crafted. I believe we're at that sta- that stage now. It's, it it just amazes me how because I, I remember another podcaster him wearing just a, a a teddy bear on a necklace like you'd never Chris, yeah. yeah and yeah. and and you just knew straight away that that was a crafted piece before you know without him even mentioning what it was just because like you say it. it it's a presence, isn't it? Like you, you, you've 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 created a presence in the marketplace so that people can actually truly f- feel what you do. Because like when you you're saying when people wear a piece of jewelry, you want them to feel like it's a putting on a like a superhero cape type thing, like putting on confidence, putting on self belief. Is that is that essentially the feel you've gone for? Yeah, and uh, that style piece which I was talking about. So so the guy you mentioned in there, he's he fits the style. He's um, incredible mind um focuses on his body there's like there's a few like areas like if we look at the person that we we see yeah crafted in it's like you craft your body craft your mind um and he fits that bill you see other people other uh, podcasts that you've seen people on again they, they fit the bill like we're not going down the route of just picking anybody who we think is a influencer or anyone that we think is, is they might, someone might have five million followers but won't be crafted do you know what i mean yeah because you because you have to have a certain certain look it's 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 the, it's the hair it's the it's the hat it's the jaw like it's, it's everything isn't it yeah and i i see it from your the models and the aesthetic that you're going for and the, and the tones and everything yeah it's, it's just it, it's really important though that people don't get lost like you said before with this beach brand and start going off down these all these different tan- tangents and find out you've not posted a con- piece of content with a beach in 17 years like yeah. you know what i mean it's crazy isn't it when you think about it but we, i suppose when you look back at mistakes like that it's easy to identify them looking backwards but sometimes when you're in it you need to get out of your location i.e manchester in this case go somewhere else so you can actually see something from a bit of a broader perspective i think it's important to know where you're motivated and i mean it's great i love this house like we it's a beautiful place to live um we've, we've designed it to a degree um how we'd like it to be but we as people like to not settle so we like to travel we like to be in different places like to see different things taste different foods uh, meet different cultures bali was a big um part of that when we the first time we went to the east and we learned the way the buddhist the hindu sort of style of um of living and how do i help you rather than what's good for me it just massively changed everything totally changed perspective um and oh, 
who doesn't love just walking around. The only thing you've got is a pair of shorts on. You've not even got shoes on. Do you know what I mean? Like you're just walking around like all day and at night you put a shirt on and that's it. I, I, minimalism like that. I don't know if, if you're the same, but that's when I'm at my happiest because I'm not thinking about, oh, what, what would that person wear? Think about this shirt that I'm wearing or like what about that person if I, if I turn up at that time or that place or I'm seen at this restaurant or not. All of these things kind of become irrelevant and you just sat there and you're happy and the only thing you've got to think about is the the view. Um, and I just, I don't know, I find, I find that inspiration. Like I have this memory of going to, it was Corfu. Um, it was just a place in Corfu we went to in the last five years. And I got up at eight o'clock and no one, no one else was up. Went and sat, had a coffee. Um, I was just looking at the sea and it's just me and the um, barista person and it was like a bar. Um, and I had my laptop and then all of a sudden, I was just like, I just felt the ideas and I rebuilt this whole Facebook funnel. Wrote, I ended up writing a, a, like a little uh, guide on it and just did the whole thing and rebuilt the whole thing, just sat there, just came up with this like way of thinking, just did the whole thing in like like an hour and a half. And I was like, where the hell did that come from? Just, I didn't set out to, I just set out to go and just answer emails or something. And I just, I, so I found that when I'm next to the sea, peace, the morning usually, um, with a coffee, some, not obviously not booze, um, all of a sudden, it just comes here. So, so that. So now I know that's my. That's You're killing me saying it because obviously <laughs> I spent eight and a half years of my life in Australia, and yeah. it's my it's my favorite it's my favorite place to live. But obviously, I want to bring people, guests like you, in person to to drop like some mad wisdom come out on this podcast so far for the people listening. Good. And 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 I, because it's all just dropping in my head as we as we're speaking through this. But for me, it's like I've. I kind of have to find a balance of where I can have the peace that you, you that you're talking about because I, I love it over over there, but I also have to come and do the podcast that you want to do as well. Yeah. So it's like it's, it's it's like you're doing it with a brand, I'm doing it with a podcast. Same same, right? You're trying to you're trying to balance that lifestyle so you can have both. Because I suppose there's, there's some things you like about being in the UK as well. I love the UK. Yeah, I was born here, Man United. Yeah, the food scene, London mainly. Um, yeah, I mean, the UK is great. In summer, it's incredible. The people are great. It's For me, it's the winters. I can't deal with the winters. So it's, that's the main reason. January, particularly, retail's crap in January. So we just, um, yeah, we just have a process that we do. We have the same thing. All the all the stores, all the brands encourage all the team to go away, have a break, because Q4's intense. And then, so January, so we, we, we'll do like, mainly like a, a week or two before Black Friday, we'll, we'll go, go somewhere else, Dubai or something like, just get some sun. Then we'll knuckle down for until the end of the year. Obviously, do Christmas, do New Year, and then it's get away. And now I'm back here. What we on February? Come back here. It's starting to get better now. Going into spring, so but I'd, I'd, I would live. I'd, I'd do it again. I mentioned him twice now. He definitely owes me something. Uh, but Jimmy, the way he does it, I think it's brilliant. Three months in the UK, and then he's in Bali, he's in Dubai. I think it's amazing. Yeah, I've, I think Jimmy Hill's yeah. lifestyle's awesome yeah. too. I, I, we're going to do a podcast soon, and. Um, I just think the way he structured it all, you know, he's, he's flexible. He's in Dubai, he'll be in Bali. He's got, I think he's going to be in there till probably like April and come back, be, yeah. in, be in London three it's months. Just going around the sun. I think uh, that's the way to do it. Um, but I, I think obviously London's super busy, but I, I love it. We go we go to London for a week um, every month. That's our thing this year. This year. We're going to try and do that unless we're abroad. Um, the opportunities down there are ridiculous. I was there for a week at the start of January. and What opportunities do you see in London? Uh, for our, for our, so nothing at the moment as, as that that I've done I can reveal. Um, but 
I had meetings with professional footballers, ex-professional footballers, uh, the biggest YouTubers in Europe, all these people just, uh, they're in London. So like, I, I can't, they're, they're, if you just want to bump into them or have a coffee, I can't, I'd have to get a, a two hour train there, have a coffee, you know, and come back yeah. sort of thing. You've got yeah. to be in there. And then, so what we've start, what I've, after that, the success of that, I decided what I'm going to do is just book, it's cheaper for us to um, book a hotel for a week than it is to rent for a month in London. So a nice hotel. So we do that base, uh, base ourselves, Soho Knightsbridge, somewhere around there, and then just put out on social that you're there, do a few meetings, maybe do a couple of podcasts, all that sort of stuff, and then just watch the opportunities rolling from that. But la- last time we were there, it was just incredible. I'm thinking about doing something, obviously the same, obviously based myself where I'm based in Peterborough, and then obviously... You know, like you say, a week, a month, you can be, I can be in London. Shoreditch, Soho, the, the people there now. Yeah. I'd just do that. I'd, I'd book a hotel, Soho or um, Shoreditch or in between. And then I'd just announce you there. You're doing the podcast, set up a room. That's just like, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it because it was reactive. It was more like, oh, oh you're in London. I'm in London. Do you fancy a coffee? It'd be like, fuck yeah. Like, well, but if I was up here, that that wouldn't, wouldn't have happened. It, it just goes to just goes to show like the importance of one, like building the relationships that we both know to build, and also like the location. Because even when you were back in, you know, Manchester, in the centre of Manchester, living living in that nice place, you were surrounded. You've put yourself in a position where you're surrounded by the right people. You know, so you, so these opportunities present themselves. A lot of people that may listen to this may be saying, "Oh, I want opportunities. I want opportunities." Yeah, but are you putting yourself if you if you're if you're li- if you're in Australia living in the outback or or if or if you're um, living in some bum town in England or this and the other, you're not going to be you're not going to be surrounded by the 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 infrastructure to be able to meet these people. You know, you've got to be in these affluent areas to get yeah. to get around these people. I think it is a privilege to be able to do it. I think there's some people which you know they they can't do it, and that's fine. Um, there's 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 ways to try and do it. Social media get like try and move it along digitally but if they can and if you can i really believe physical so it's something i got from my father-in-law he's like he's not a technical guy at all doesn't get well, does a bit now but like emails all that sort of stuff. massively successful property developer um develops a massive retail part around here which everyone knows um and he said like, i just don't get why people sit behind desks i can't get it and he, he had a, um, a fly mayfair um when i think it was before Myself and Amy were born, um, and oh, maybe she was. She, maybe she was around actually. Um, obviously, before I was around, she was. She would have been young. But um, there was all like he. He was just saying he just he'd have lunch and dinner, a bottle of wine at lunch, bottle of wine at dinner. But those deals that would get done over those lunches was just like again, it's like putting himself in into the capital from Liverpool, putting himself in, into the capital to get these deals done, which he never would have got physically from there. Obviously, the technology was a lot different then, but you know. There's a lot to be there's a lot to be said for face to face. It's old school. It's old school. This, but it works, this, like. this is why I like to come do podcasts face to face because because yeah. I, I love the conversation. I, you know, you, you get all the you get all the essence in the build up to the conversation, plus the the, the pre and the post interview that what me and you and talk about, and and now we're in the position after talking for like two or three hours to be able to go and you know we might have a deal to do in in in. in five years time one year's time who knows like there's, there's, there's deals that could be done but because we've built that relationship and put the time into building it right so i think i think face-to-face is a no-brainer and i don't know why a lot of people aren't aren't positioning themselves to do it yeah it's i think t- it's a, it's a big loud bang on your mic there um i think it's 
Is it, if yeah, I, th- I think environment is a big thing, no matter what. It's not. It's cliche. Everyone says it about your five friends or the five people you surround yourself. With. Environment in general, for me, it's motivating. Um, it's opportunistic. Uh, it's it's good for the soul. It's good. It's good for the brain. Like it's it's, it's everything. I think. And uh, and we know. I think if you can learn your what what different types of what you're looking for, really. If you're looking for some self belief, what environment's gonna you believe in yourself like doing these podcasts you know confidence the, the very first podcast I did I was crap on camera like, like I'm not saying I'm good now but like I just I, I don't go, I think I've been on camera now 10 times or something and yeah. I think I'm a little bit better than the first time but the first time I was stuttering I was nervous I was, couldn't think you know all of those things like so you put yourself in an environment if you want to get more confident you've got to do more things which make you more confident which these sorts of things or whatever people like to do but um, I think for opportunities we talked about going somewhere physical uh, and for me motivation is where I find motivation is, is through travel so even on a plane I wrote a book on a plane once on a 10 hour flight I wrote um, I've got a book um, which is building simple brands a digital book I wrote the whole thing on a on a flight how, how many pages long is it about 150 you wrote you wrote 150 pages on one flight uh, on notes app yeah I was just I was just in there I don't know so you get in the zone and Are then you on mushrooms Oh God, I'd love to, <laughs> love to be, but no, no, I've never done them. No, but yeah. I'm hearing people, hearing people going mad at them at the moment. But um, no, um, I, uh, I was just on it. I just got in, got in the zone. Uh, no, I, no idea. Com- just staring at my phone, and then Amy said I'd been like doing it for two hours, and just didn't realise. But I just got into it. It was like it's pretty. It's a lot of this story, to be honest. So like a lot of that, but a lot of the mistakes and whatever. But I'm not plugging the book. I'm just saying. Um, that's that's what I did. I feel like when you realise, I do get motivated on planes as well. I don't know what it is about because I was on my phone, but there was no Wi-Fi. I don't go on the Wi-Fi on there, so my brain's a lot more relaxed. Um, yeah, I think I, th- I think I think that's that just shows you the the benefit of flow, though. Being in when you when you're in flow, I was I, I was working yesterday on content removal, and I was just in I was just completely in flow, and I achieved more in two hours than I would in a week. Yeah, Be, because I was in flow, and and. People are like, well, that sounds stupid. Yeah, it might sound stupid, but it's it's, it's, so, it's so true that I've, I've found that I can pump out work when I'm in that zone. But there's a, there's, a, there's a, just that, that level of brainwave that you get on when you're in it. Like you say, you write a 150-page book. That would have took you six months any other time. Yeah. But, but you just didn't fly. It's concentrated work quality, I think. It's, this is why you go back to the story about the office and sat there, and you've done your work in an hour, but to keep up appearances you, stare, you sit in the office and stare and you think of the motivation that you get or the lack of motivation sorry of just doing that and draining and the same with the team like we forced anyone in the office is not forced to come in the office we have a recommended one day a week where we all come in ask questions do meetings all that sort of stuff but there is no pressure for so you actually have an office then we have a, we call it a base so we have a base and um, we, we opened a couple of them and None of them got used, so which is fine. Um, but the, the we have one which we do fulfilment out of uh, Honu, uh, which is based on the Wirral, which is central for the Merseyside Mank Union sort of people. People from London, they don't really uh, come. Got someone from Birmingham um, comes up every now and again. Um, but that's it. Uh, we do everything through uh, Basecamp. We have an app called Basecamp, which we use, and um, a couple of video calls, uh, mainly just chat chat through that. It's um, asynchronous working, which suits everybody 
And then, and then everyone's location, you know, everyone, even if you're an employee, everyone's got location freedom. What I love being hours ahead. So some people are, it's not great for working because you're a few hours ahead. I absolutely love it because there's no back and forth. So it's like I wake up, I've got their, their questions. I give my answers, throw my questions in and put my phone down. And then the next day or whatever time, yeah. then check in. Yeah, I, f- I think that's why Dubai is so good. Yeah. Because Dubai is like, you, you know, you, you're up at... That's why a lot of e-com guys live there because, like, you're up, you you get you get your deep work done, you put all your things to it, and then you, by midday, your other people are waking up, you know. So, so you kind of sorts out a lot of your problems for you, yeah, because you're just ahead of it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. If you if you were going to give some people some advice then on structuring themselves, you know, from what you've learned from all the years in the, the e-com, the agencies, if you were going to give some people some some advice on how to structure themselves now from from the mistakes you've made bearing in mind what we said about this property like you've you've i feel i feel, I feel there's something in you to say on this talk into this but i feel there's something that you can say on the need the need to buy these big purchases that people have like there's i'm tr- i'm trying to f- trying to find the way to frame it but yeah, I think I know. Yeah, we were just talking before the podcast about um, rent versus buy sort of thing. So f- for us, like we've got, we were renting a place. Um, I said renting an apartment, and we were really happy there. And we listened to outside influence to a degree, saying, "Oh, you shouldn't rent. You should buy. You should do this." And we're like, "Yeah, no." And like, so we did. We like ended up doing two years rent. And it obviously costs cost money. It's dead money, if you like. What's the cost on being happy? I don't know, but it's dead money. And we decided to, we saw this house and we got the dog and we only had a balcony before, we got a garden, all that sort of stuff. Um, so we just we started looking at it again, list, listening a little bit, but um, we um, luckily got an opportunity with a developer who had planning permission, all that sort of stuff, and we could change the, the, the house itself. Um. So we did that and we deposit, um, so personal tax you pay on the, um, if you deposit the mortgage, you pay your interest, pay your mortgage repayments. Um, and next thing you know, we've got you know, all these bills, that the, um, the taxes you pay to, to come together to buy this house. And we mortgaged it because we wanted to keep some free cash flow. We could have bought it, but we decided to keep the cash flow. So we're now paying um, interest and stuff on that. And we've ended up in a position where we could have rented that place for about 12 years <laughs> for the same price as this house. And with me and Amy are just like, you think of what you can achieve with the cash, the, the capital, which is which we yeah. could have had. Inst- <coughs> obviously, you pay a lot of tax to take it out of your holding company, put it into, per- into your personal to yeah. get the house itself. I, I would just, I mean, if there's a better way to do it, I don't know, but um, we... I'm, just, I'm glad you. I'm glad you. I'm glad you. I'm glad we've got that on the, on here because I wanted people to understand what you said there. Because obviously we talked about that specifically before the podcast. I will. I will add. Like obviously again. Like I don't want to come across it like come from a position of privilege, but the the thinking behind renting, I think, only works if you have a, a business or an asset which accumul- accumulates wealth, accumulates cash flow and income. So for like my parents, both. Um, um, one worked for a bank, um, one worked for a bank, my dad worked for Kellogg's their entire lives, um, set salaries essentially. Renting is not the right thing for them, I believe, um, because um, they would accumulate wealth through buying a house and house, housing market going up. But for me, I've got a business which accumulates uh, wealth. So that's, that's going, growing in, um, in, in 
wealth itself. So why do I, I, you know, I can look at other options like renting. I could buy certain properties which pay for the rent which I've got, uh, and that suits that that style of living. Um, but the big big one for us was we were renting and we were happy. Not unhappy, we were happy. Um, but we were renting and we were happy. But we decided to then splurge a load of cash and pay a load of tax, and now. We're in, we're in the house when we thought to ourselves, actually, we could have literally rented that for over a decade. And, do you know what I mean? We didn't like the kitchen over there. We've got a lovely kitchen here. We can't have, like, my wine storage over there. We've got wine storage here. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally living the same... Yeah. I'm literally living through the same thing as what you've just spoken about. Right. Because I had the beautiful rented apartment overlooking the, um, the hinterland in the Gold Coast that I loved. I felt called to move, so I've come back to the place that I own outright, completely done, yeah. dusted the lot, furnished it, done the sort of a, made it the European base because I thought that sounds like a great idea. Then I sit there sometimes, and even though it's a great place and I'm grateful for everything that I have, I'm like, why'd you do that for? Yeah. Like, what, 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 what why, 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 why would why have you done that? I, th- that doesn't make any... Yeah. Why would you do that? And you, you you listen to outside influence that kind of influence you into ways of thinking and the other, but being nimble, being able to move and rent in all these different places is a much better idea if you've got any form of online business, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And you and me have it's both, freedom. Have both yeah. lived it. Freedom, but, you know, the, the, the truth of it is we've, not lo- we've lost the tax, we've not lost the... Uh, the money we've put into the house, the house will, you hope, will go up in value, so we'll get some back. You know, we'll probably get into a position where we probably don't lose any money. Um, but still, you know, it's that, it's just that just that way of thinking. Like for some people, if they're if they're in that position, you know, we did really we didn't need to move. We just we moved for uh, material things when we were happy. We were traveling. It was a lock and go. We could just leave the cats, all that sort of stuff. It was dead easy. People like could get in and out. Uh, we give different people keys, looking after the house, all that sort of stuff. Apartment, sorry. Whereas now, you know, we're in we're in the house. It's a bit different, different way of living. Um, yeah. It's just it, we made the call. It's done. We 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 will probably keep this for a bit longer, rent it out, and then see where we see where we are. But that, that's essentially what I've done. Mine as like lock the lock and go. But I still think, even when you think about that as an asset for me, it's still really too much cash tied up in something that you're locking and going from. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not the smartest of moves really in essence when you could do doing so much more with it so i just think that everyone that listens to this should be mindful of our both our collective experiences on that and kind of maybe take take heed on it and then that's it they can live in it because it's not always having all these things i've found in life and having all these what other people perceive as assets it just it's just lots of other things to think about like the cars, like you're talking about the cars, and you've got, you've probably got like three cars, or I know uh, just um, one electric car, which um, the government were giving corporation tax um, benefits to, so the car cost me nothing. I hate cars now, so like, uh, sorry, I don't hate cars. I love Ferraris and looking at them and all that sort of stuff, but they're not for me. Um, I have I, a brand I love. I love Bentley. I'd love to get a Bentley, but I know the petrol costs and my friends have had Bentleys the petrol costs I'm just not interested what I'm interested at the moment is experiences so I have I have a philosophy of health wealth profile and experiences 
and none of those fit. So, 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 so explain profile. What's profile? So profile for me used to be about stature or personal brand or something, and I'm really not interested in that anymore. My profile at the moment is reputation. So is my reputation good? Do people, my, my team think I'm good? My family happy with the, my appearances, all that sort of stuff. So it's me thinking about how present I am with other people. That's my profile now. Right, and, and do you think that comes after you've got the fuck you money? No. Like what's for, I think, so as it stands right now, we, we talk about this actually, me and Amy, is like when, when is enough? Like when is enough? Are we happy? And I think for me, when you start pushing and pushing, this is why I'm a profit over revenue person. When you start pushing and pushing and pushing revenue, you're starting to go to it into a position where you, you you might get to a point you actually can't leave the company anymore. You can't you can't go on holiday because it's too fragile. The margins are too small all of a sudden, or there's too many staff, or there's too much reliability on you. So I just try and keep it stress free. Keep it as the, put freedom at like the main part. We can we can grow slow. There's things like so this year we're going to go a little bit heavier on crafted, but. Not too heavy. We're not trebling turnover. We're just trying to increase maybe 30%, 40%, maybe 40%, but 30%. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, it's not crazy, crazy stuff. Um, but, you know, what define fuck you money to you might be different to me, might be different to exit entrepreneur, might be uh, someone just starting out. And like all of those things, they just differ so much. For me, it's all about freedom. At what point, and you can do that. This is not, this is not an end. This is a, this is an ongoing thing. I think you can always, you, Fuck you money could be just always having money, uh, bits of money coming in. It's not an end sale. It's not anything like that because how many people get depressed after they sell the business? Like I kind of in a weird way, and I'll drop another mention, like it's like people like George, I admire him so much. George Heaton. George Heaton, yeah. Sorry yeah. from represent, yeah. Um, because he's he's just obsessed with the business, loves the business, got a great philosophy on, on business. And... Um, and I, I just can't help it but admire that. There's no, there's no like, I'm building this because I'm going to sell it for a billion. It's just, I want to make an amazing business, amazing products and go forever if that's what he wants to do. But like, I admire that. So for me, it's like, I've gone from, I do want the case study. I want to build something mega for, for Crafted. That's my, that's my e-commerce trophy. But in terms of like money, I don't know. I just want to, I just want to have enough money to travel, see my family, buy my dad a season ticket every year, um, go to nice restaurants, drink the best wine on earth. It's kind of it, to be honest. How did you get into investing in wine? Uh, Amy's dad taught me wine. Um, he he bought, God, I don't even know how long ago. I'd say 30 years, something like that, maybe 40 years. And he just bought loads of different wines. He was just into wine, sick of drinking pints, so started drinking wine. Early on. Pints of wine. Yeah, pints <laughs> of wine now. Yeah, got to need a pint of wine after this, like, two hours. Um, yeah, so we just like, um, he he got into it, started drinking it anyway, and just like started learning about it, um, got really into it. It is fascinating when you when you go into it, but I was so lucky I got to drink, because he'd bought them so cheap, but like the price, so let's say he, he'd paid 50 quid back then for a bottle of wine that was worth 1,500 quid. But he's got, he'd had at the time, a load of it got nicked annoyingly. Um, he had, let's say, 2,000 bottles, 3,000 bottles. And he'd open them all the time. So he's drinking, God, let's think of like Chateau Latour. Don't know if like you know this one, but like uh, First Growth Bordeaux wine. And, he'd, and it'd be 1978, which is like one of the, one of the best vintages, uh, 78, 82. And he's opening it. I'm like, God, this is like thousands. And he's like, yeah, but I only paid 50 quid. 
and I'm getting to drink this as like as I'm on my journey of learning wine. It's getting to drink these incredible vintages, and um, I'm just like, and it's heaven. And like you have that, and you get you get why it's so so expensive. You get it. But the the thing which I really took on board is you paid fifty quid, and it's fifteen hundred. Like you think there's not many things that go that sort of level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's safe. Yeah. I, well, the thing about being safe, if you know the producers to buy, it's, it, it's faultless, and you leave it in the the board, uh, in, in, in the chateau. In France or wherever you're buying it in California or so do they just leave that in the barrel of the bottle? Well, yeah, so they do. You can buy wine on Premier, which is basically the first. So it'll get picked and then it'll go on. So let's say stuff that was picked last year will go on 2023 this year, and it'll say it'll say 22 or 23. I can't remember. Um, it'll say 22, I think. But then it'll go on there, and then that's it. So you go, and you've got that bottle, and it'll be in in the chateau stored. But at that point there, you might pay a hundred quid for whatever wine. Um, and that's called on premiere, so that's basically before it's gone to market, essentially. Um, and from that point there, it starts to accumulate. So I bought um, there's a wine called Cheval Blanc. People, some people will know it. It's an incredible wine, and they declassified uh, from Santa Million this year. Uh, sorry, in 2020, and I bought about 24 bottles, I think, of of it of that vintage. It's declassified, so it's historic now. So all of a sudden, that price of that's jumped massively. I just got, I got lucky with when I bought it, but that wine there is a is a guarantee because it's so popular. It's guaranteed to go up. You just got to wait. Some people aren't prepared to wait. So I say I've put about five hundred thousand into wine. So you put half a million pound into wine this year. Uh, last year, I could, well over 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 okay. about fourteen months going back. I've not done any this year, but only a couple. Of, um, yeah, only a couple of wines. Just year. just shows you the power of e-commerce when you can go and put half a million to move half a million to I wine. I sell that wine today for seven fifty though. So it, yeah. it, it accumulate if you buy it right, it accumulates really quickly. So um, but um, the so the wine outperformed watches, crypto, any stock investments I've got, it outperformed them all because it is starting to get busier now. There's, there's big influencers starting to put like good bottles in there now and good producers. It's definitely improving, but for me, um, it's under, so that I got an understanding. I know where to buy it. I know the price it should be. I know how to store it. Uh, I know the the brands, or the, the, the the chateaus, which will uh, develop in value, and I love it. I absolutely love it. So I'm a, it's one of my hobbies, if you like. So I'm, I'm in I'm in the game. I know. So that's that's why that would accumulate. You you know, if a novice went and just decided to buy loads of wine, they could lose money quickly because they don't know how like what it should be or the price should be paying or they don't they don't look at a bottle and go actually the ullage on this bottle is is fucked like because you know ullage is basically like how how empty it is from the top if you like so if it's if it's quite low down it means it's a lot of air's got into the wine all that sort of stuff so it could it could oxidize it'd be spoiled basically there's all these things that you can look at and, and know it's a good price bad price to buy this is fun i love this so like yeah, I can trade, see. I, I could, yeah. I, as soon as, as like ecom, ecom, I thought you were lit up, but yeah. but but then when you started talking about wine, it's yeah. like your your whole face changes again. Yeah, like. the downside of wine though is that you can drink the profits, so it's yeah, yeah. you just got not not not, not five hundred thousand pounds. Watch me. <laughs> it depends <coughs> if we go. Well, this will happen. So I know this will happen. So in in the future, I'll either make money or I won't make money. Um, I think I'll make money, but like if we make it, then I'll get to the point. I'll be like, I paid a hundred quid for this. I don't care that it's. 
two and a half grand. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. And there'll yeah, be somebody yeah. else. There'll be a new Danny going. Yeah. You can't drink that's two and a half grand a bottle. It's three grand of twenty. But you only live once, Danny boy. Yeah. You only live it. once, and you. My, my plan is to go. So there's a producer called Romney Conti, and it's dead hard to get. You can only get an allocation of say two bottles for their main uh, domain Romney Conti. And that is, I think, I think it's it's up there with the most expensive, either the most expensive or second. Uh, it's about twenty five k a bottle when it reaches like Maturity. a good good price to drink. So you get that if you get that wine, no matter what, you know, I can pay five grand, eight grand, ten grand, whatever. If you get a bottle of that, you store it right or store it um, in, a, in a safe place, you know that you can sell for that sort of level. So that's 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 like a tip, but you need eight to ten whatever to get it. I saw one in France. There's a bottle of it in France, and she was selling it for eight. eight. I said, how much for that? Um, and she said, oh, I don't know, about 8,000 euros or something. I said, I'll, I'll buy it. And she said, no, that's my retirement. <laughs> she wouldn't sell it. But she didn't. She had had her version of the price was 8,000. She knew it would be. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing how you've, you've used the e-commerce money and you've diversified it into things that you're interested in, but also things that, you know, protect the capital as well. Yeah. You know, that in essence is what you're doing. Mate, what a podcast. If, if there is one piece of advice that you could leave, one pearl of wisdom that you could leave this audience with from all your years of e-commerce for everyone that's, that's on the come up that wants to do something in life, what would that one pearl of wisdom be? So when I've done these before, I've always said go for profit first, but I feel like it's getting a little bit boring. Like you kind of get that message. Um, something that I'm doing at the moment, which kind of, I feel encapsulates my whole philosophy and kind of the story that we've talked about is I've started writing down three things. So I know my end goal or my, my, my next checkpoint. So if you say, how do we, how do we make crafted the biggest men's jewelry brand in the world? So let's say like that, that could be an example of a big goal. And then every day, I just do literally on a notepad, one, two, three. I might actually make a book for myself on this. Um, so I just don't have to keep writing the same thing. But I'll put, I'll, I'll write the goal at the top. And then I'll write, say, my personal goals. So like, let's say, make make my family millionaires or whatever you like, personal goals you will try to achieve. And I'll put one, two, three. And then I'll sit here, very first thing in the morning. And I won't get my laptop out. I used to do that. I won't get my laptop out or anything. And I'll just have my coffee and I'll go, what three things can I do today to move move myself closer to that and that's it and as and what i've found is if i finish those three things it's like a like a pressure just comes off you i've done three things i didn't have to work 20 hours i didn't have to go and do like all these meetings and all this sort of th- like so one of those things is was was you what podcast doing this podcast i'm talking about crafted it's moving it towards getting a bit of pr whatever you want to call it moved it towards fame you know to, towards a goal and then you just put these things on it. And what I found that's done for me mentally is it's it's, um, it's sometimes I'd feel stressed and be in a bad mood. I've not been in a bad mood once this year so far. That's, maybe Amy will disagree, but I feel like I've been happier because I've got no time pressure at all. It's like these three things need to be done by the end of the day. That's it. And I could do them in two hours. And then all of a sudden it's just I'm, I'm there for the team. I'm there for question and answers. I'm, I don't feel like a conversation's taking me away from my work because I'd find that I'd said go in the office sometime and someone would talk at me for like 15 minutes I'm like I've got stuff to do come on like you know you find yourself like stressed a bit but with the three things you know I've got time to do all these three things um I make sure I get myself in the gym uh, at least like five times a week um try not to be unhealthy all that sort of stuff and try to like focus on health a little bit more but the tip is to write the main goal 
and do three things towards them every day. And I feel like you'll you'll you get yourself into a good like pattern of motivation and momentum. Mate, that's brilliant. Yeah. Mate, that's, that's, I'm, I'm honestly, guys, I hope you got as much value out of that as I have by sitting here being present with that conversation. I swear down, there's so many things in that that you can take um, and implement in your business. Some of the things, just, I'm just bamboozled by the amount of content. In it. We've talked about everything in there, obviously. We've talked about everything. But that is Danny Buck. And obviously, you guys can follow him, The Danny Buck, on Instagram. That's it. The Danny Buck on Instagram and Twitter, and, and, and Twitter as well. Obviously, follow him for all his guidance he writes on, you know, on building brand and everything like that because you want to get some of this knowledge into your mind and, you know, especially some of you guys that are growing e-commerce brands, you're going to want to take yourself further, listen to men like him because he's actually making sizable profit margins in the space. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Do me a favor, like and subscribe on every channel. I think on YouTube... We're at 92% unsubscribed that are continually watching it. So I'd love to get that down. So if you're on YouTube now, go and hit that subscribe button. Hit subscribe on all the other platforms. I appreciate all of you as always and much love. Guys, do me a solid favor. Drop a comment below this video and let us know who you want on the podcast next.